You're listening to the Yoga Teacher Resource Podcast. Knowledge, techniques, and inspiration for your teaching and your practice. I'm your host, Mado Hesselink. If you're a yoga teacher who loves learning, is passionate about spreading the benefits of yoga, and desires more resources to support your teaching, you're in the right place. Let's get started with today's episode. Hello, yoga teacher. Today's episode was inspired by a listener named Grace, who reached out to me for advice and support on gaining confidence as a teacher. Here's what she wrote. I've been teaching for a year now, an average of two to three classes a week, and I sometimes struggle with confidence and really holding space for the students. It's something I'm developing as I feel in my nature I'm a bit up and down. Some days I'll be super outgoing and confident, and the other days withdrawn and even doubting myself. This seems to carry through in my teaching, and it's getting to the point where I'm actually getting annoyed with myself as I I feel that I have been teaching long enough to know how to snap out of it. I think it comes down to knowing my sequence, knowing what I'm going to say, and tying it in with my theme. Relaxing before class, connecting to myself, and then the students. I'm the mom of a three-year-old, and I have lots of other things going on in my life, so sometimes I'm not as prepared for classes as I'd like to be. If you have any insights into developing confidence as a teacher, I would most appreciate it. It seems many teachers I know come from a physio, dance, or other teaching background and have a leg up in that respect. I chose to teach because I loved yoga and I was good at it. I wanted to help others develop and be helped by the practice like I had. My background is in occupational therapy, so I do work with people. My teacher training was online, though, and in hindsight, I think it wasn't that great, so I feel I missed a lot that others got. I've done further workshops, but I think my lack of confidence is because I have a lack of knowledge. Even though I'm always reading and online learning, I'm not yet sure how to put it all together. We're on a budget at the moment, and the wages I get from teaching, I just can't justify another major teacher training at this point. I would love to in the future. I guess I just want your insights. How was it for you? And do you know many other teachers? What was it like for them when they first began? Have others had this internal struggle? Grace, you are not alone. Yes, absolutely. I think most of us have had a similar struggle. Most of us can relate to the things that you're saying. Now, I think you're right that having been through an online training, you don't have a strong, as strong a connection with your trainers, with the people who taught you as others might. So that's a place where they do have an advantage. However, the truth is that many, many people, probably most people go through this, no matter how well trained they are. If I'm completely honest, I still struggle with this sometimes. I'm like you in a lot of ways. I also tend to be up and down, and I'm also the mom of a three-year-old. I don't have as much time as I would like for class planning. Now, because I've been teaching for 15 years, I can create a plan on the fly, but it wasn't always like this. When I first started teaching, my older daughter, who's now 16, was three. So I can really relate. And based on the comments I see on the Yoga Teacher Resource Facebook group and the private messages I receive, we are not the only ones. This is a very common, very universal experience for yoga teachers, especially when you first start teaching. The most important piece to overcoming this is your own personal practice. I'm not necessarily talking about asana, though if you teach asana, it's very important that you have a lot of experience 
practicing it on your own. More I'm referring to the experience of wholeness and truth. That's the essence of yoga. When we remember that our purpose as a teacher is to help others experience their own essence, it's less about ourselves. Making your teaching be about you is part of what makes you feel less confident because you know how long you've been teaching, you know your own limitations, you know the places where you struggle. When you instead decide to be a conduit for the teachings, it is not about you anymore, and that relieves a lot of the pressure. This does require consistent and steady practice over a long period of time, abhyasa. The more you practice these tools, the more you'll believe in them and the easier it will be to share. And by these tools, I mean whatever you use. What, are, what is your yoga? Be patient. This does take time. For the moment, notice the feelings that arise. Welcome them as a necessary part of being human, as a necessary part of growing and doing things that are hard. And keep taking action. Keep showing up. Keep showing up to your mat. Keep showing up to your classes. Keep showing up in your life. When I read the note that you wrote me, I hear a whole bunch of different stories that you have about why this might be harder for you than for other people. And I use the word story consciously, not to discount your lived experience, but to separate out the things that are facts from the things that might or might not be true and might or might not be helpful. While it's a fact that you took an online training and it might be true that that makes it harder for you, you also have the opportunity to consider whether that story is serving you or not. And of course it might be. It might be helpful to be kind to yourself and say, hey, I'm struggling and I know that the training I took is making it harder for me so I can be gentle on myself. On the other hand, if you're using that story to beat yourself up and you're saying, oh, the training I took was inadequate and so I'm struggling, but instead of using that story to self-soothe, you're using it to beat yourself up, then maybe it's not the best story for you. The truth is that we all have things in our background that are in our favor and things that hold us back. For example, you say your background is occupational therapy, so you're really comfortable with the human body and working with people one-on-one. There are other yoga teachers who might be telling themselves the exact opposite story, that your background in occupational therapy is why it's easier for you and their own background say as a school teacher might be making it more challenging. Also, sometimes when you take a teacher training with a charismatic teacher in person, you can be kind of swept away by their charisma. And so you might believe that your training was better than it actually was. So people who leave their teacher trainings feeling really good about it, sometimes they will start teaching out into the world and they'll start getting feedback and realizing that they actually got some misinformation in their teacher training. You can see how there's so many different factors involved and the only sane path is to move forward with the circumstances as they are. Focus on your strengths, your gifts, work to fill in the gaps where you're weaker. But most of all, again and again, Commit to your deeper practice of abhyasa vairagya. 
as I mentioned before, abhyasa being consistency in your practice, and vairagya meaning to approach your practice with the right sense of openness. So vairagya means sometimes is translated as non-attachment or dispassion, or I've also heard the translation of discoloring. So not to imbue any set of circumstances with an inappropriate color or an inappropriate weight to give each circumstance in your life the right weight and the right attention. We all feel emotions. This is part of the human condition. Some we label positive and we seek out. Some we label negative and avoid. Our emotions arise based on stories we tell ourselves and often so quickly and so skillfully that we don't even notice the story, only the painful emotion that emerges as a result. Over time, we can start to notice patterns. Oh, this is the story that leads to that feeling. You might be thinking right now, I really hope she's not going to say, change the story and the feelings will change. That's what I would be thinking because it's not so easy to change the story. And, of course, that is how it works. In reality, though, it's more complicated. First of all, the stories you create around the story, (laughs) the meta-stories, are often even more painful than the original story. Second, we often recognize the emotion first, which means that discovering and changing the story is even harder. So let's say the first step is to catch the emotion as early as possible. When you say you feel unconfident, that's probably tied up with unworthiness, and unworthiness is actually fear. That might sound melodramatic, but if you follow the feeling down to the root and name the root, there's a lot more clarity around what you're dealing with. The moment you notice the fear slash unconfident pattern, stop what you're doing. Relax your body. Internally, create a space where that feeling is welcome. That feeling is allowed. This can be very difficult to do at first, but it does get easier over time. All the feelings that you feel are a mechanism from your brain to help you be safe. So there's nothing malicious, malevolent, or inherently bad about uncomfortable feelings. Our tendency, though, is to run from those feelings because they don't feel good. We want to do anything in our power to stop feeling them, whether that be eating, watching TV, sleeping, drinking, etc., The problem is that those feelings, the challenging feelings, the uncomfortable feelings, are not actually ever going to go away. So whatever your strategy for avoiding them is a temporary strategy. And if the strategy has to do with avoiding positive behavior or engaging in negative behavior... Negative, you know, that's that's like a big term, but for example, overeating or numbing yourself up with, out with substances, that, you know, that could be negative. And even more insidious is little negativity, like feeding yourself social media instead of taking action. I know that I do that one a lot. So because the feelings are never actually going to go away, it's really important to develop healthier coping mechanisms. Instead of running, take a few moments to notice. 
to acknowledge and if possible, even to create a sense of welcoming, like, oh, okay, here's this feeling again. I know it's a message from my brain. It's a gift from my brain trying to keep me safe. It's part of being alive and I can handle this. And figure out some kind of healthy action you can take. Actually, it's probably best to think of the healthy action ahead of time. Like maybe it's go for a walk or drink a cup of tea or something like that. And realize that the healthy action is not going to feel as good in the short term as whatever the coping mechanism that you usually go to is. You're probably going to have to drag yourself kicking and screaming to the gym or the meditation cushion or whatever. So like I said, think ahead of time what the strategy is going to be. The next time I feel unworthy or the next time I feel afraid of not having enough resources to teach, I'm going to whatever it is that you feel like you can do. One of the patterns I noticed in myself is that when I'm having uncomfortable thoughts come up, I tell myself the story that I cannot do creative work at that time and I'll self-soothe with social media or reading or studying something instead. And I've actually noticed that that's not true. If I force myself to get started and I work on something I'm passionate about, I do feel better and I do good work. Now, I realize you didn't say anything in your letter about unhealthy patterns that are coming from your lack of confidence as a teacher. That may not be specifically an issue for you, but it probably will be for others who are listening. And I actually believe that even just ruminating on an unhelpful story, letting yourself spin on it instead of doing something else is an unhealthy pattern and it's going to keep you stuck. I also want to address your comment about having been teaching long enough to snap out of it. First of all, I already communicated that this is going to happen as long as you teach, maybe less and less frequently, but it doesn't matter how long you've been teaching. Yes, you will develop more coping mechanisms, but that's what I'm trying to give you today is those coping mechanisms. You can't expect yourself to just simply snap out of it without actually taking action. At the same time, I've noticed that there is a huge pressure to not be a beginner. And I'm going to be really honest here. I felt that too. And I still kind of feel that sometimes, like I need to prove myself in some way. The other day, I was having a coaching call with a very successful yoga teacher. And she commented, she made this specific comment, I don't want to be at the bottom of the ladder forever. And I was like, whoa, this is a incredibly accomplished teacher in my eyes, extremely successful, and yet she feels afraid of being at the bottom of the ladder. Maybe she's only looking up, that's our tendency, and she's not acknowledging how far she's come. She can only see where she wants to go. One year, in your case, is not very long for developing skills and confidence as a teacher, especially if you're only teaching a few times a week. Own the fact that you're a beginner teacher. This is okay. Your students can absolutely experience huge benefits from studying with you. In fact, the more you own where you are, the more you will help your students. Grace, you are absolutely worthy to transmit the teachings of yoga just as you are right now. And that goes for all the rest of you listening. You will share them in the best way that you're able 
and you'll help the people who needed to hear what you had to say that day or needed the practices that you shared. I'm so glad that you want to continue learning. I believe it's a great sign of your sincerity and your commitment. But going back to Vairagya, don't give your learning the coloring of your confidence. Let your confidence come from your personal experience of the power of yoga in your own life. Let your confidence come from the teachings and from your lived experience of the power of the practice. I know many, many yoga teachers who have a ton of knowledge and not a great ability to communicate the embodiment of that knowledge to their students. I also know teachers who are overconfident with very little learning. So let's not conflate those two things. Stay committed to your own practice and teach the best way that you know how right now. That's all any of us can do. Grace, thank you so much for reaching out and asking. I know that your questions, your stories, and your fears are relatable to so many other yoga teachers. So by reaching out and by inspiring this podcast, isn't it cool that you are actually going to help other yoga teachers with their confidence also? And to everybody listening, thank you for staying with me. And thank you for teaching for practicing, and for doing your best. Remember to reach out when you need help. One great place to reach out is the Yoga Teacher Resource Facebook group where you can get feedback and support from a whole bunch of other listeners. If you're not a member yet, you can join at teachingyoga.net slash join. That's all I've got this week. I hope you'll come back again next week. And in the meanwhile, please remember to make time for your personal practice. Have a wonderful week and thank you for listening. 